would go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Let's go there together. Philippians chapter 1 this morning, every person who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ has a high calling. You realize that? We, if, if we're, you're a follower of Christ, you have a very high calling. And you are very privileged to have that high calling. And that high calling should affect the way you live. Reading earlier this week some of the writings of A.W. Tozer, I came to this passage which he wrote, which reminded me of how easily we can misplace our priorities. We can often get things out of order or de-emphasize important things and emphasize unimportant things. He says, Time may show that one of the greatest weaknesses in our modern civilization has been the acceptance of quantity rather than quality as the goal after which to strive. Christianity is resting under the blight of degraded values, and it all stems from a too eager desire to impress to gain fleeting attention, to appear well in comparison with some world beater who happens for the time to have the ear or the eye of the public. And this is so foreign to the scriptures that we wonder how Bible-loving Christians can be deceived by it. The word of God ignores size and quantity and lays all its stress upon quality. Christ more than any other man was followed by the crowds, yet after giving them such help as they were able to receive, he quietly turned from them and deposited his enduring truths in the breast of his chosen twelve. You know, the world around us certainly seems to have misplaced its priorities. And sad to say, it's not just the world. Far too many Christians have allowed themselves to believe that what we need is more quantity, as A.W. Tozer says, and, and not more quality. We not only want more of what the world has, we want what we're supposed to have as Christians. We want what we're to have as the church. We want both. We want the world and we want our faith. And so in an effort to have it all, we cram more into our lives than we possibly could do well. And for God's glory. And we suffer for it. Far too many a church is being weighed down and spread thin with so many programs and ministries and so much quantity that we have no time for quality. But the challenge that I see in God's Word today, a passage that we're going to be looking at, the challenge from God's Word in many places has always been not do more, but be more Christ-like. And that is the challenge that we see given by Paul to the believers at Philippi as we arrive at verse 27 in Philippians 1. Paul's challenge to the Philippian believers is that whether or not he's able to return to them, 
no matter what happens, what he would like to hear, the report that he would like to receive, is that they are making certain that they are living in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And what he is challenging them toward is not doing more, but being more Christ-like, living holy lives. You know, I'm afraid we don't think about being holy very much. We don't think about, we don't talk about holiness enough. I think that we've been scared off by people who say, oh, you know, don't be such a Bible thumper. Don't be such a goody two-shoes. But God's word declares that Christians ought to be concerned with being holy. Be ye holy as I am holy, says God. So let's look together at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 where Paul writes, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, the Greek word translated here as, very early in verse 27, the the phrase manner of life, the Greek word that's translated here as manner of life literally means to live as citizens. And the implication is, because if you think about it, you think, well, what does that mean? You know, live as citizens. Okay, yeah, we're citizens. We're living as citizens. The implication is that they are to live as good citizens in this world or model citizens in this world. But here's the catch. They are to be living like citizens of heaven. Because as we know from God's word, believers are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We have a new home. Now, what do we know about Christians that could give them a guide to living in this world as good citizens, model citizens of heaven? I want you to go with me. You can keep a finger here in Philippians 1, but just flip over to Philippians 3. I want you to go with me to Philippians 3 and verse 18. For one thing, we know, according to the Bible, that even though Christians are living in this world, their their true citizenship is in heaven. Says Paul, Philippians 3, verse 18. So Paul points to the stark contrast between believers and unbelievers here in the way they should live. Not as unbelievers. Philippians 3, look at verses 18 to 20. For many of whom I have often told you And now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you think about the world that we live in today when you hear that? Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But, and this is Paul saying, this is not what we're to be about as Christians, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not to have, as followers of Christ, and we're hearing it from Paul here, we are not to have our eyes fixed on this world and getting more, In this world, we're to have our eyes fixed on heaven, our eternal home. 
and being more Christ-like. You see, the believer's true citizenship is in heaven. Don't ever forget that. Which means that wherever believers are living on earth, they are to be living as good citizens of heaven. In other words, being godly, being Christ-like citizens, not encumbered by the ways of this world, but guided by and encouraged by and motivated by the ways of the Lord and his heavenly ways and heavenly kind of thinking. That's why Paul gives this instruction to believers in Colossians 3. Listen as I read a few verses from Colossians 3. One, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Did you hear that? being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, being more Christ-like, in other words, being more holy. So it's clear then, isn't it, that what God's word calls believers to is to living lives of quality, not lives of quantity. Now that's difficult because in the world we live in, where you can go buy a, you know, 24-pack of purified water, you know, or we can go and buy a 20-pack of chicken McNuggets or whatever it is. You know, we want more. I've never eaten a 20-pack. We, we, we can get more, and we can get it faster than ever before. We can accomplish more than we've ever done before. We can do more than we've ever done before. We can imagine doing more things than we could ever have imagined before, and we think that we have more than, you know, 24 hours in our day. And we cram more and more into our lives. And even as Christians, we can fall prey to this, and we think we can cram more and more, even good things, spiritual things in our lives, and think that we're being more spiritual when we're just cramming more spiritual things in our lives and we're not paying attention to them. This is a dangerous place to live. It's not necessarily biblical thinking. It is clear from God's word that believers are called to living lives of quality, living lives characterized by holiness and righteousness and obedience to God's word with our eyes and hearts set on and our lives transformed by heavenly, godly, biblical thinking. And we cannot allow ourselves to be weighed down by more and more things that distract us from being Christ-like. Paul knows that this kind of living will lead to, to the believer's joy. And so he writes to the believers and says, even if I'm not able to come and be with you, here's what I want to hear about you. And so I ask you this morning, do you want to live with peace? Do you want to live with contentment and the joy of the Lord? 
because that's what God is giving you, because you're walking in obedience to his word, then you are going to want to take note of the instruction Paul gives all believers here in Philippians 1.27. And I want you to note together the marks of a joyful believer's life as seen here in the text. First of all, a believer's joy depends on their worthy living. Note it, worthy living. Now you wonder, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to have worthy living? A believer's life should be marked by worthy living. But what is worthy living and worthy of what? Note how Paul says here in verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So if you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, your citizenship is in heaven, right? And Paul's use of the word that's translated manner of life, which literally means live as citizens, and that's important, ought to affect the way we live on this earth. As heavenly citizens, we're to live here on earth. No matter where we are on earth, we're to live as heavenly citizens, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Warren Wearsby says of this, it would be very meaningful, it would be a very meaningful expression to the people in Philippi because Philippi was a Roman colony. And its citizens were actually Roman citizens protected by Roman law. So he says, the church of Jesus Christ is a colony of heaven. A colony on earth of heaven. And we ought to behave like citizens of heaven. So when Paul challenges the Philippian believers to let their conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, he's making a reference to the importance of their way of living being as citizens of heaven. Yes, in this world, but living as citizens of heaven. And it was critical that their conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that is no less important for us today as it was for them. Again, Warren Wearsby says, the greatest weapon against the devil is a godly life. And a local church that practices the truth, that behaves what it believes, is going to defeat the enemy. I think that is where we have often failed. Oh, we believe a lot of good things, right? We say, I believe in that. I believe in this. I believe in God's word. But do we practice what we preach? If we are, we're going to be victorious as Christians. If we are, we're going to be victorious as a church, living as heavenly citizens, model heavenly citizens on the earth. If we say one thing and do something else, we are going to be defeated in our faith. We are going to be discouraged. We will not know joy. So in other words, you can say all the right things and believe all the right things, but if your life doesn't back up your beliefs, you're not going to be very credible witness to those who need Christ. And if people look at our lives as believers and don't see that we're much different than they are, why would they want what we say we have? Why in the world would they want to embrace the truths of the gospel if we don't live the, say, the way we say we believe? And how will they see their need of change if they don't see us change? You see, the world doesn't need to see perfect Christians. They need to see sinners who are saved by God's grace who are becoming more Christ-like. 
And so it is critical for us today, as it was for the believers in Paul's day, that we conduct ourselves as good citizens of heaven, model citizens of heaven, while we live on this earth. That's that's worthy living. That's what Paul is saying here, worthy living, living worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's living in a way that that validates and verifies what we say we have in Christ, and it points to the gospel and glorifies God instead of doing the opposite because we could live in a way that points away from the gospel and, and harms the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying, no, no, that's not the way we're to live. Not like the world. We're to live like Christians. We're, be, we're becoming more Christ-like because God is at work in us with His Word and by His Spirit. And that is worthy living, living worthy of the gospel of Christ. Is that your passion? I often need to remind myself that needs to be my passion. I hope that's your passion, that we would want to be living lives that are worthy of the gospel, that glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and magnify the good news that Jesus came to save sinners. Now, I want you to note the next mark of the joyful believer's life seen here in the text. I'll call this faithful living. Faithful living. Not only do we need to have worthy living, but we also need to have faithful living. And Paul says it here in the text. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. Standing firm. That's what I'm calling faithful living. Paul wants these believers to know that whether whether or not he's able to be with them again, he wants to hear a good report. I want to hear good news about you. I want to hear good things about your conduct, he says. I want to hear that you are living faithfully. I want to hear that you are standing firm. Standing firm in what, though, right? One commentator points out that standing firm translates the single Greek verb which refers to steadfastly holding one's ground regardless of danger or opposition. The word was used of a soldier who defended his position at all costs, even to the point of sacrificing his life. Figuratively, it refers to holding fast to a belief, conviction, or principle without compromise, regardless of personal cost. Being firmly fixed in matters of biblical truth and holy living is included in this injunction. Stand firm, says Paul. Stand firm. I want to hear this, that you are standing firm, that you are living faithful lives. And we desperately need boldness to stand firm in this day, don't we? When we are assaulted at every turn with things that tell us that what we believe about God's word is not true. I heard an example this week where one preacher in our nation's capital got up recently and declared something that's clearly a sin in God's word as not being a sin. And opposition to such sin is a sin. And I'm astounded that but I'm not surprised because God's word says that, right? God's word says that, that people will begin to call sin, what is sin, good, and be call, call what is good, sin. And when a preacher gets up and declares that, you know, sin is good and good is sin, 
It's a fulfillment of God's prophecy, right, that that's what's going to happen. And it, it ought to break our hearts, but it ought to not surprise us. It ought to cause us to pray, yes, but it also ought to cause us to want to stand firm. It also ought to cause us to want to live faithfully and obediently to God's word. Do not move from the foundational truths of God's word. Do not move from the foundation that God has given you in your faith, his word. If you will change his word, you can change anything. And we desperately need boldness to stand firm today as Christians in this world. The society in which we live is fast growing hostile to biblical truth. Be prepared. Be prepared. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not chicken little here, okay? I'm not saying the sky is falling because God is in control. And I am confident that come what may, if we will have faith and if we will be obedient, God will bless. That's what our nation needs. Our nation needs Christians to be obedient to God's word and remain faithful and stand firm. And it appears that we are going to face more and more opposition to the truths of God's word, which we Christians hold dear. The truth of God's word is being compromised. We ought not compromise the truth. We ought to stand firm. It is tragic to see churches and believers when they do not stand firm. You know what's tragic about it? What happens is when we don't stand firm, we begin to take God's word and do with it what we wish. When we do not stand firm in the truths of God's word, we compromise the truth and we will accommodate God's word to our sins. And so we will say, well, it doesn't really mean what it says. It doesn't mean to say it that way. Here's what it means, and I can make it say anything we want. And now, and now my sins are gone. <laughs> but not because Jesus paid the price for those sins, but because we've changed God's word. In God's economy, we still are guilty of our sins, no matter what we say about his word. It is tragic when believers will not stand firm and will accommodate to the constantly changing whims of the world in which we live. And in so doing, we become an offense to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not living worthy of the gospel. But as citizens of heaven, we have God's word to guide us in our conduct. We have God's word to instruct us and guide us in our conduct. And we are not to water down God's word to accommodate and excuse our own sins, our own passions, our own foolish notions of what is right and wrong. Do not look to the world to to figure out what is right or wrong. Keep your eyes fixed on God's word because the world is going to change. The world is changing. Fix your eyes on the truth. For the sake of the gospel and for your own joy, You must stand firm with the truth. You must be living faithfully. You must keep teaching and preaching the word and living lives in obedience to the word that demonstrates to others that we truly believe what God has said. You know you can preach the word with your life, and your life ought to be a a clear message that God's word is true. 
Because the word demonstrates, the word at work in our lives demonstrates to the world around us that we truly believe what God has said and that we take seriously his commands and that his commands do serious work in the believer's life to change us and make us more Christ-like and joyful. And if we will seek as individuals to honor God with worthy living and faithful living, we will be honoring God as good citizens of heaven as we live here on earth. There are two more marks seen here, which, Lord willing, we're going to look at next week. But let's know this. Model citizens of heaven make for joyful Christians. You want joy? Be a model citizen of heaven as you live on this earth. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. I pray that that unbelievers in our midst this morning might hear these truths and realize their need of Christ, that they might be willing to repent of their sin and turn to you in faith through the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that they can be saved, forgiven their sins. I pray that believers today would have great joy in these truths, knowing that they are redeemed, that they are made new, that we have an eternal home with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. We praise you for this. I pray, God, that you would help us to be living on this earth as model heavenly citizens, that we would honor and glorify you with our conduct, that we would honor and glorify you with with our firm stand in the truths of the word of God that we would refuse to be moved in our own lives, that we would not look out into the world to find out how we ought to live, but that we would look into your word of truth and depend upon the Holy Spirit and then take steps of obedience in faith, knowing that you will enable us, you will strengthen us, you will give us your wisdom and help us to live in a way that is worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to honor you in that way as a church and help us to honor you in that way as individual believers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.